0: Hi there, this is Justina and you're listening to the Exploding Head Podcast. Hi everyone and welcome to the Exploding Head Podcast. If this is your first time, I have to say this episode's going to be one of the heavier ones, one of the heavier ones. Um, I know that I'm not here to entertain you, even though this is kind of the role I've taken up. Um... But at the same time this is where the title of my podcast comes from right and there's a category of things that yeah my head wants to explode when i think about them and some things they're really heavy and this is an episode on some of the heaviest ones and the very structure of this episode i have to say it's it's a bit weird like the very beginning it's kind of loose there's some detours some stories really And then the second part is where I get into my, you know, kind of political science-y things. and, And then it gets a bit loose again and more kind of open. And that is the structure that I wanted this episode to be. So if it feels a bit unstructured, that's how I chose to have my narrative. In case you're thinking, this episode is maybe a little bit different from the rest. Not that I have that many by now. But so I hope you find it interesting. I hope you find something valuable here. And let me begin. And today, I want to go back to one of the topics that I've briefly talked about in my first episode. Remember, I talked about uh, what good happened in 2020. And one of the countries that I've mentioned was Belarus. Because in Belarus, last year, big, massive protests started against the authoritarian regime, against Lukashenko, who's been in power since 1994, so a long time. And I've talked about Belarus because obviously, when big protests break out... Like, that's a good thing, right? Well, in, in that specific context, um, you know, people are rising up, people are saying enough of this dictatorship, enough of these lies, you know, that's not the the present we want to have and that's not the future we want to have for sure. So that's why I've named it as one of the positives. And I still see it as a positive. But I was watching the news the other day and there was, um, and there was a video on a lady who is... By nationality Lithuanian, but she's been living in Belarus, so she's Belarusian really. And she was captured by the state forces uh, and then she was tortured really in one of the torture centers in Belarus. And she described what she saw. There were also some videos, probably secretly filmed and just leaked uh, to the media, of people just rounded in this um, police gym apparently and yeah you can see that you know they they have been tortured and they have they haven't beaten it's really scary so she escaped she's in Lithuania now that's why she was telling her story and you know it was also the week of the International Holocaust Remembrance Day which was on the 27th of January and yeah many things just piled up and I didn't have to think more on what the topic of my episode should be. I think, sadly, it's a topic I could be uncovering every week because shitty things are happening all the time. But I felt that this is a good time. That's why there's an episode in front of you, <laughs> if you haven't left yet. And there was one element of the story of that lady who escaped that made me think a bit more about recent history and and relating it to the Holocaust Remembrance Day, which should be kind of everyday, I guess, right? When you think about it. You know, that phrase, never again. It's a phrase used to sort of describe humanity's approach to genocides and crimes against humanity and war crimes, right? So when something horrible happens, we say, well, first we say, oh my goodness, how did that happen? And then we say, well, never again. We've been saying that since the Second World War. We're still saying that because we've had so many of those never agains. And what I'll be mentioning in this episode, my goodness, that's just a small percentage of all the wars, conflicts and interstate and intrastate conflicts, right? Different types of conflicts like state against state, civil wars, non-state actors versus other non-state actors, invasions, military occupations. There's just so much of that never again happening again. And there was this one element of that story of the lady who escaped to Lithuania that made me reflect on a couple of more recent instances of these never agains. And the lady was saying that people were rounded up and they were kept and tortured in this police gym. And that reminded me of the infamous, really true horror story when the government of Salvador Allende, the socialist president of Chile, was toppled in 1973, toppled with force. And then an era of dictatorship by General Pinochet started. That lasted until 1990, a long time. And so in 1973, people who were considered enemies, right? Enemies of the now new military regime, journalists, artists, you had uh, trade unionists, anyone left-leaning, right? So the people were around in this uh, national stadium in Santiago. And the stadium became a prison, a torture center, And one of the stories that's a bit more known is of a Chilean musician, Victor Jara, who was singing until he died and his fingers were crushed by his torturers so he couldn't play his guitar anymore and then he was shot. That's just one instance of many. And I thought, there's just something extra appalling about taking a place that's a some kind of a public space right like a stadium or okay you take that police gym like it's a gym a place where you have these shared activities usually joy lots of emotion right something you know positive and this is how you're using it now not that to say that if you know people are tortured in bunkers like that makes it appropriate and fine like obviously no but I just saw that similarity there. And sadly, it's not just a similarity between what we're seeing in Belarus and what happened in Chile. There are tens of countries that had brutal military regimes and like what spaces they have used. But I think these moments when you make those connections, you kind of make those connections that are of humanity and of shared human experience, however horrible it is. And I think it's important to share them. It's, it sounds like a detour in the way it is, but once again, it's my podcast. And I was also thinking there are so many different types, right, of those never agains. So what we had in Chile, that was a military dictatorship and the terror that the state was inflicting onto its citizens was, well, supposed to be, you know, secret. But at the same time, this is how terror works, right? Uh, If a population is being terrorized, it means that they are being deterred from engaging into certain actions. So it's not really that secret. But so, in my very first episode, I've talked about Bolivia, and this is where I actually go into details about what is called Operation Condor, which was a transnational, well, international operation of terror, really, of uh, basically countries in South America suppressing very violently any leftist opposition to the right wing dictatorships. But so, Chile was a part of that, and it played actually a major role in Operation Condor. So it was kind of secret, but it was also kind of known. And it was definitely known it was actually assisted by the states. And so that never again happened in a number of countries in South America. But then you have something way more recent and way more open, right? So we have, obviously we have Rwanda, we have Bosnia, also civil conflicts in Liberia, let's say in Lebanon. Another example, when Bangladesh was separating from Pakistan, like the human toll, that took... That is all in the previous century, right? It's all documented, like we have photos, we have videos of these atrocities. Like that never again didn't happen secretly, didn't happen completely secretly, and in some cases it happened really, really openly. So a good question to ask, right? And the question I was asking is, okay, so how do we even go about analyzing all this? Like what are the tools, like what, what, what can we use really in our analyses? So if you look at political science, I'm like, okay, so, you know, conflict, how we analyze conflict. Okay, what units of analysis do we choose to use as systemic? Like we look at all the countries at like the international community or we look at just states, like state is the principal factor and actor. We we'll look at non state actors like going more deeply into states. We we'll look at what roles different parties, different groups of people play. Or we we'll look at another unit of analysis that you can use a personal level. You've probably heard that question, that rhetorical question that would lead you to interesting discussions with no one being right in the topic of alternative history, like if Hitler hadn't been born. Would we still have had the same situation? Like someone would have expressed those grudges and we would still have had what we had in the 30s and 40s and what followed. Or maybe the influence of one person can be that great. So this would be the smallest unit of analysis, right? We look at one single person. But this is just political science. And I think this is where, not to trash my own discipline, but obviously different disciplines they ask different questions they don't pretend to ask all the questions they say okay we're we gonna focus on that i think what political science does is great and if you go very nerdily into what is called comparative politics ooh, you find so many good questions there like for example in post-conflict societies what power sharing mechanisms work How do we share that power so that all sides feel included and no one feels discriminated, which is a very big question to ask and a very important one. So for example, okay, is it going to be a unitary state or a federal state? Ooh, what kind of parliament should we have? Like two houses, like lower upper, just one. Should it be presidential? Should it be parliamentary? Should it be a mixed system? What kind of voting systems should we have? What kind of administrative units? How do we draw the lines? So there are a lot of good questions that political science asks and then really good answers looking at different countries statistically what works what is more likely to work what's unlikely to work so yes you know that is all fine Uh, political science asks and answers a lot of really important and very good questions but if we take that individual level of analysis right that personal level and if we take that very simple and very honest question How can we not have conflicts when we're kind of fucked in the head, insecure, the sense of unworthiness is strong, you know, and then the fears and um, anger, obviously, and then the, you know, desire to prove yourself to others and what horrible things that results in or can result in. So yeah, political science, it's great, but there are so many important questions that it cannot answer because it doesn't ask those questions. That's not its realm. It's fine. And this is where I think, right, we have to bring all the tools that we have, like all the tools, all the disciplines, like psychology, neuroscience, race and gender studies, mindfulness. And the good news is that we have a lot of them. We have a lot of these tools. And that does actually give me lots of hope. But also, let me tell you another story quickly. It will feel like another detour, I know, but I will go back (laughs) to my point. So I was uh, living in Brazil for some years and I was living there also during the times of big turbulence. You might think, well, when aren't the times turbulent? They're always turbulent. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. But in Brazil, especially between 2015 and 2017, many things happened, like a parliamentary coup and just lots of, lots of, lots of protests. And so I was walking on Avenida Paulista, which is the main street really in Sao Paulo. And, you know, I'm walking there and there are always some people that are like, there's like a small protest somewhere or like a group of people with, you know, banners. And I look at this one specific group and I think, oh, okay. You know, and I see people of kind of like my parents' generation, you know, 50s, 60s, um, you know, like fine looking people, I don't know. And I look and I look at their banners and I pause. I just stop. I And at this point, like... My Portuguese is really good. Like that's not the issue. But I look at their banners. And they say "What we need now is to bring back the military dictatorship. Bring back the military. That's what we need." And I'm like, "Okay, I've like I've I've, I've heard that, you know, <laughs> these people, <laughs> the us versus them narrative not great. Like these people exist. Like I know that Brazil, who was also a part of Operation Condor. That's why, like, yes, they also had their military dictatorship for a long time. So they have that painful past. And I know that there are some people who have been advocating for that. Because, you know, maybe for them, like maybe people in their family circles were not tortured. Maybe everything was sort of okay for them. And for them, in a way, the dictatorship didn't happen, I guess. But it's really, it's really, it's really scary. Like it's really talking about fucked up things. Like that's really fucked up. Right? I really, (laughs) I really hope you agree here. And this is where I bring back that personal individual unit of analysis. So the people with the banners, like, do they not know? Do they not believe that these horrible things happened? Like, do they not care? I, I really don't know like where the answer lies, but the important question is how do we change that? And to come back to that question, you know, how not to have those never agains, I think it's very easy to feel helpless, right? Cause it sounds like a big t- task. Cause it is like, it's a monumental task, Like I cannot prevent them. Like it's not within my power, but I think it doesn't mean that we cannot start like anywhere. Right. So man, simple things like, Hey educate yourself talk to others more importantly bring empathy to your conversations like listen deeply especially that empathy i think that's fuck, you know that's key yeah i think we you know might not stop you know crimes against humanity through our conversations but maybe through those conversations through engaging with others with curiosity i guess <laughs> and with that empathy maybe if anything We can just make those people who are holding those banners saying bring back the dictatorship. If we could just convince them, maybe, not to have those banners. That's meaningful. Like, that's progress. And I think it really matters. And in the end, I want to leave you, yes, I will leave you, this episode has an end, with a really nice quote. It's a quote by Kurt Vonnegut, who kind of doesn't need an introduction, but I will say that he was an American writer. And his writing, if you feel it or not, it's very nicely political, right? The message behind it. And here's a quote that I think my sister shared with me. This is how I check if she listens to my podcasts. So it's a quote, not from any of his books, but it's a quote from a conversation with him. And look, I'm no poet. I am not a public speaker. I am not a public reader, but I'll try to do my best imperfectly once again. So this is his quote. Well, i worried some about, you know, why write books? Why are we teaching people to write books when presidents and senators do not read them and generals do not read them? And it's been the university experience that taught me that there is a very good reason that you catch people before they become generals and presidents and so forth. And you poison their minds with humanity and however you want to poison their minds, it's presumably to encourage them to make a better world. I think to truly not to have, never against, so much is needed, so much, my God. But one of these things, it's poisoning our minds with humanity. And I think to share that poison, and I don't mean Putin in this scenario, okay? I think it's very important and I think it always matters. So thank you so much for listening. I know it wasn't a light topic, but I think, yeah, that's why the exploding head. It's exploding because the things can be really heavy. So I hope you found it valuable. I hope you found something interesting here. And if you did, who knows, maybe you want to share it. So thank you again and have a good week.